Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. Thank you. This is Raven, your host of the Raven in Real Life radio show and podcast. So whether you're listening live on the radio or if you're listening to the future podcast, thank you for being here with me. Today, I am sitting here with Miss Carrie Jo Brooks. So Carrie Jo, thank you for being here with me. Super excited about this. Yay, I'm so glad. I just wanted to talk to you because of all the people that I know or that I can think of that truly, truly pours your heart into people, I think you are that number one person. You're very sweet to say that. (laughs) It's true, though. It is very true. So do you mind telling me maybe what kind of got you on this journey of being, you know, so driven to start really looking into people and their hearts, giving them a little heart check? I would say, you know, life throws you a lot of different twists and turns. And so a lot of people don't know my journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And so things that have happened to me along the way, whether they be good, bad, or just storms that have come and gone, I think you have a choice when things happen in your life to either use them to be victorious or... You can be a victim to the things that happen. And I have made the choice a long time ago to use anything that I go through um, for victories moving forward. I think that you can look at any situation and really feel like overwhelmed or feel like, you know, things are stacked against you and you have a choice to use the experience to bless other people, or you can use it to harden your heart against the world and against what um, comes your way. And I think that a lot of the losses, whether it be the loss of my mom at 17, um, the loss of my brother, the loss of a child, um, any kind of situation like that, Of course, they're detrimental. Of course, they impact your life. But they also give you this beautiful awakening of how precious life is and why people matter. And for a long time, I felt like I had to be okay or present being okay and not be a real person, Um, whether that be the world standards of, you know, when people say, hey, how are you? Immediately, a lot of people respond with, fine, how are you? Yep, yep. But the idea is that when you live more intentionally and you start to open up your heart and your eyes to, are you asking somebody, how are you because you genuinely care? Or are you asking simply as you would say hello to somebody just to be kind? And I think when you choose an intentional lifestyle, it means that you are looking beyond the eyes that you're looking into. You're looking beyond the situation, beyond the person. And you are genuinely wanting to know somebody on a different level, wanting to know why they are the way they are. Um, And you want to help people. Everybody that you come in contact with, and I I say this a lot when I'm doing um, mentoring, when I'm talking to young people, when I'm talking to friends, I always have this mentality and I will encourage people that every person is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I mean, there is not one person that God brings into your life that he does not have a deeper reason for, or an opportunity for you to be a blessing 
And that takes time, right? That takes you pausing and being intentional in the moment. And when you look at life that way and you expect for those opportunities to come up during the day, it encourages you to to really look deeper and yeah. and you appreciate things more. You appreciate life, you appreciate the person, you appreciate the opportunity. And I really don't know why I am built the way that I'm built outside of just choosing triumph over tragedy. Was it always this way though, or was it kind of a struggle to come up with this lifestyle? I don't even know that I would say like that I came up with this lifestyle. I think I just kind of formed into it. And I know that like as a kid, I was referred to as a social butterfly. I wasn't allowed to go places that were quiet. Um, I remember even when my mom and dad took us to New York out of all of my siblings and I'm one of a bunch. Um, they all got to go see the play Cats. They went to see a Broadway play. And I remember my mom asking my dad to do something different with me because she didn't feel that I would be able to sit still <laughs> or be quiet or appreciate it enough. And so I was kind of, I got to go see the Empire State Building and, and do that. But even that made a mark in my life to know that I was a little different. You know, I have always wanted to know people, to explore, to be adventurous, all those things. And I think you can be that way in relationships too. It's not just being adventurous and physical and going and doing, but it's also taking risks and being adventurous in your relationships with people, being vulnerable and, um, you know, being open to somebody rejecting you when you do want to be intentional. And so I don't know that I chose this life. I think that this is how God made me, and I'm thankful for it. I I will say that sometimes it's a blessing and a curse, and I tell people that because I genuinely care on a level that, you know, sometimes can be overwhelming, and I have to um, learn boundaries with that. But it's a beautiful thing when you just embrace who you are. This is who you are, and I'm going to make the most of it. So do you feel like you actually encounter that? Do you have people that do reject just your openness to them? Oh, for sure. Oh, well. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and, I think it's a lot for some people, and some people are not prepared. And we live in a world where people present a false identity. Um, look at social media. Look at all these different things. So we're not in a world that is based on intentional, real people. Yeah. And so that is a rarity now. So not everybody is really open and welcome to that. But I do have a theory that over time they will be if I can spend enough time with them. Yeah. And I think there's benefits to it. You know, um, when somebody loves you for who you are, where you're at, despite the good and the bad, I think that helps people to grow. And everybody needs that. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are leery of the fact that, you know, when people are overly sweet, it's like saccharin, like it's sweet, but it's not real sugar, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe they're, they have to fill that out. And I think they're, I think you're right. I think anybody that gets to know you long enough, they are going to open up to you because you just, I don't know, your soul is just beautiful child. Oh, you're sweet. So let's go back. Um, you said that the, like the situation with cats, what would you say to 
the moms out there or the friends or family members who has that person in their group or that is their child that is kind of the really bubbly, outgoing, loud. stranger to no one, <laughs> loud, loud person, what would you tell them in this situation? Do you feel like that was the right decision? I do. I do. I think that um, one thing that I learned from my mom is that everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. And I think you have to plug into where people are. I've always been fascinated by different people, people that some people would probably in a group be like, well, they're weird or label them as different. I'm intrigued by that because I want to know why. And I want to know well, that's cool, you know, if somebody is different and they're, then I'm intrigued by that. Not everybody is. Some people are a little scary of that. But I think that, you know, even with my kids, the things that I read about, each one of them are so uniquely different. I have a boy and a girl, teenagers, and they are so different. And you have to really feel people out and, and understand who they are and build them up where they're at. You you have to learn people and plug into where they're at. If you don't, then you're almost trying to control or form what you desire, what you think a person should be. And that's just not natural for me. Like I I believe that you meet somebody where they're at and then help help in any way that you can if it's an area that they want to grow in, dive into that. If it's an area that they want to um, heal in, somebody's got to listen. Somebody's got to be there for them to be transparent enough. But I think the key factor in being intentional in relationships is trust. Yeah, absolutely. The reason why people are opposed to overly sweet people, and I don't consider myself overly sweet. I consider myself, um, I say loud, but it's more, I guess I just present myself in a more open situation. You know, I'm just a more open person. Um, but I think with that, with this style of personality, it's, it's easier to assume that somebody is fake for being nice in a mean world, you know, but I think the key is building trust. And the way that you do that is you first have to be intentional. You first have to be real with who you are. There's not a part of my life that I don't share with people if, if, you know, not everybody, but if it seems fitting, I'm going to share because if you are not transparent and real, then people don't trust you with their story. My story is full of all kinds of different choices and good, bad, and different, but I'm willing to share that because I want people to know that there's not one perfect person on this earth. Yeah. There's not one person that has it all together. And my goal every day is when I'm coming into work, you know, I ask people, what is it that you do when you start your day? How you start your day determines everything. And I am very intentional with making sure that I'm doing my devotions, making sure I'm having my quiet time and spending time and praying for people, praying for the opportunities that I'm talking about. And then, Lord, will you open my heart and show me, you know, what I need to see, be my voice, speak when I need to speak, be quick to listen to and hear people out. But I pray for those opportunities and for people to come into my path. And um, 
then I keep my eyes open for it. You can pray and ask for things, but if you're not looking for the answer, sometimes you miss it. And there's just a lot of people that simply need somebody real in their life, somebody that will accept them where they're at for who they are. And I know there's been so many people in my life that have done that for me. Mm -hmm. And... I think it inspires me to do that for more people because I wouldn't have been able to choose the victorious over victim had I not had strong people in my path to say, you can do this and we can get through this and, and to believe in me. So saying that, you know, somebody needs to believe in you. I had not everybody. And we talk about this um, a lot in my monthly meetings with, Um, our team at work, not everybody was born into a situation with a mom and dad that were their biggest cheerleaders that set them up and built a strong foundation of you can do anything if you are willing to work hard. Some of us had to learn that along the way. Mm -hmm. And you develop through other people and mentors and, and through things that you endure in life. And That's why I think it's so important that at any age, I've had people in their 20s and 30s tell me that nobody's ever believed in them. They didn't think that they would be where they're at today. And that kind of stuff just, it rips my heart out. You know, like everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody needs to say, hey, I see you. You're doing amazing at this. And you, what is it, you know, just cheer them on. What is it that you want to do? Because sometimes we don't do things out of fear. And then other things like how your self-identity and your self-confidence was defined. Well, if you grew up or you were born into a dysfunctional situation or maybe not the ideal situation, a lot of times your self-confidence from an early age is broken. Mm -hmm. And so it's defined by the world standards of what having a high self-esteem is. And so I think you always have to go back to that. And that's what I tell people. Go back to when you defined your self-worth and your self-confidence and how it was defined. And then we can move forward from there. So do you feel like if someone spent the first 20 or 30 years of their life kind of questioning themselves and not having someone giving them that solid base, can they be a whole person? Can they fully gain that? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. I think their story just has to be embraced, you know, I believe in healing. I believe that people can heal from the, you can't erase your story. It's always going to be a part of your testimony and your story. But the healing and grace part, you know, that that's a beautiful gift that we're all given. And I believe that people can walk in that and doesn't have to erase your story, but it can turn your story around. And and the ending can be way better than you ever thought. What would be the first thing that you would tell someone if they are, if they're struggling with their mental health or their confidence or just, just in general, if they feel like internally they're struggling? My first thing would be who's in your circle, you know, really gauge the people that you have around you because your environment matters, who you surround yourself with matters. Um, if you are surrounding yourself with people that believe the same way you do and that are encouraging and will be honest and truthful and hold you accountable, I think that's important. So, you know, 
just really taking account of who you're surrounding yourself with is important. Mm-hmm. Um, help, you know. I have been in counseling almost my whole life. <laughs> I mean, I really have. And a lot of people have this theory on counseling. And I shouldn't say a lot of people, but some people think of it as, well, those people are broken. If you need counseling, you're broken or there's something wrong with you. Whereas I think, I mean, girls, they go to get a mammogram. They go to a gynecologist when they need things. Boys see doctors and they get therapy and sports when they need physical therapy. To me, you seek health in every other direction. You get physicals. Why wouldn't the most important part of you being your mental health that kind of is the foundation of everything else. Why is it so wrong to get help and get therapy? I think there are a lot of people that have to have professional help and that's okay. And if it's not professional help, then let it be somebody that you genuinely trust and love that's willing to meet with you. Yeah. That would be my first thing is that's your first step for sure. And would you agree with me? um, If you're that friend that someone does come to when they're struggling, I think the listening part is even more important than the advice part. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what about what about when the the bad part of your circle is one that you can't truly escape from? So if it's your if it's your parent, if it's your spouse, if it's something like that and they're not mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily have to speak on um, you know, when it comes to self-confidence, but let's just say someone's trying to better themselves, go back to school, build a business, do something, and they don't have truth support, a true support system. Do you have any advice on that? Or just what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think everybody in some shape or form has a support somewhere. You just, again, you have to evaluate who's in your life. Mm -hmm. But I think there's someone, whether it be a boss at work. So if it is a situation at home that you can't, well, maybe there's somebody at work that you could trust, that you could meet with, that you find, you got to find somebody that inspires you and motivates you to be better. Those are the people that you want in your corner. So I think you can find those people. It doesn't have to be the norm of a best friend or um, a husband or a parent. It can definitely be a school counselor. It could be a co-worker, it could be a boss, it could be a pastor, it could be a youth pastor. But I firmly believe that we're all given somebody in some shape or form. Okay, so just seek them out, people. Now, are you? do you have any type of social media presence or is there somewhere if someone wanted to connect with you, do you have that? Is that out there available? Well, I definitely have Facebook and Instagram, things like that, um, but not really not really a, an avenue that I promote this by any means. It mm-hmm. is definitely a lifestyle for me. Yeah. So it's really about who I encounter and who I come in contact with. I have started at work. Um, it's called Happy Hearts and Hard Lessons. It's once a month. Um, I meet with the younger generation of employees, and we are really diving through this. But it's a very transparent situation. Um and they come, they sign up, and if they want to be a part of it, they are. And we really dive into these deeper level intentional relationships and trying to help them. Everybody has a dream. I think about Pretty Woman, what's your dream? <laughs> um, but everybody has a dream, everybody has goals. And I think sometimes people don't move forward 
Like that's one of the most beautiful parts of your journey to me is that you stepped out, you faced fear of the unknown and you pursued your dreams. That is so inspirational to me. And so I think the reason people don't do things like what Raven has done is because they don't believe in themselves. And maybe there's a fear of, of just even trying and failing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, every failure I've made in life has also set me up for greater success. Absolutely. So absolutely. I'm glad now it's not completely tied, but I'll go ahead and throw this in there. Since you said that the truth is, if you do have a dream and you're going to step out on it, you're going to fail along the way, but just fail forward. Just figure it out. Try it again because you haven't truly failed at anything until you completely give up on it. That's so true. So, so true. And I think the younger generation, you know, there's so much talk right now about high turnover and why people aren't um, staying at jobs. And, and I often will tell people, do not label or talk negatively about this next generation, right? Mm -hmm. That's not going to help anybody. What do you do? You build intentional relationships with them to understand where they're at and you mentor and help them understand the importance of commitment, the importance of staying with it and fighting forward. And I think it's about investing in your people and the workplace too. Like people are not going to listen to you if they don't know you believe in them. Yeah. People are not going to trust you until they see, and they have to see it. It's got to be actions and words that you value them and that you hear them. And so this next generation, I'm super, you know, a lot, a lot of people are putting them down, but I'm saying, wait a minute, they're innovative. They're entrepreneurs. They're people that are creative and they have, they, there's a lot of good. We just have to help kind of channel that and, and help them in the workplace. And so I'm very passionate about that, about, you know, diving into what does this next generation look like in the workforce? How do we unite teams? How do we motivate them? How do we encourage commitment? And it's all about culture. It's the environment that they're around and remembering that their stories count where they're at determines how they're going to work, how they're going to see the vision that you have for your company. Yeah. But you cannot gauge that until you intentionally know the people that work for you. And I think that that's a vital piece that we're missing in the workplace. And it's been a beautiful thing for me to learn about all of our workers and, and who they are and why they're here and what their dreams are. And is this where they thought they'd be at this age? And then how can I help you? A leader is only as good of a leader as the next person that you're training to do what you do even better than how you do it. Yeah. So to me, you've got to really invest in people and, and lead them, lead them with truth, lead them with honesty, lead them with mirroring the things that you're asking them to do. Well, how do you, what are your thoughts on those leaders, those managers, those business owners out there that are kind of that it's my way or the highway mentality or are micromanaging this generation of people and finding it hard to keep someone. What, what steps should they take to get closer to this culture you're talking about? You have to create the culture, which means intentional things like offering more training. But so often we're faced, we're, we're looking at training on just job techniques, right? Mm -hmm. 
We need to be offering training on the things that they're most interested in. We need to be offering training on the fundamentals and the basics of one-on-one communication, customer service, the benefits of serving. When you're serving others, you're seeking yourself less. It's like foundational things that maybe in our generation we learned from our parents or we grew up knowing, but this is pretty foreign to this generation. So I think you get creative on what you're training, bring in, if you're going to do lunch and learns and things like that for the community, Mm -hmm. start doing them with your team and really getting to know the people that work for you. That is so, so true. So many companies will spend a lot of money to get out there and get one referral or one new customer, but they, they have this constant revolving door of employees because they're not investing in them. Mm-hmm. So that's a good idea. They don't know them. So I think I think just offering outside-the-box training, they want to feel that somebody believes them. It all goes back to that. So where what I do is all about the foundation of who we are is intentional relationships. If you have breath in your lungs and you have purpose. Well, if that is our foundation as a company and that is what we are promoting mm-hmm. for the people that live with us, in order for our workers and the, the hardest working group that we have, our care team, in order for them to turn around and give that service, yeah, they too have to feel that way. They have to feel like the breath in their lungs gives them purpose and we have to define what that purpose is. It's the same thing. But the more of the fundamental things that your company stands for, if you will turn around and invest those same things in your teams, you won't have to worry about the outcome because it happens by itself. But I think that's what this generation needs. They need real people, authentic relationships, and people that believe in them. And until your team believes that you got their back, that you genuinely care about everything about them, from their personal life to their professional goals to what their dreams are, until that trust is there, you're going to have turnover. Yeah. This is just where we're at. But I believe in them. 